Warm welcome to a new episode. Um, today I have um, another guest uh, to a, a for a conversation uh, which I'm really looking forward to. We were planning to have this, I think, since uh, two months. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sebastian, but uh, finally, <laughs> finally we could make it. And um, yeah, I'm glad also that we um, could uh, do it um, today because uh, today it's the first time that I have a different background. <laughs> so lucky for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't perfect. have one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your background is also very fine. Um, yeah, so uh, maybe a few words uh, to you uh, before I hand it over to you. So uh, Sebastian is uh, currently a customer success manager at Maglasia. You will provide us um, a little bit more context in a few seconds uh, what this really means and uh, what Glacier is all about. And um, today we would like um, yeah, to tackle a few different um, topics. So first, um, in regards to studying abroad, what kind of um, importance um, of, or impact um, intrinsic motivation um, can have. And also when it comes to, yeah, basically dealing with, um, yeah, all these um, factors um, combined and um, why he's doing what he's doing. So this said, um, who are you, Sebastian? Why are we talking today? Well, uh, first off, thank you very much for, for the invitation. As I said, we've been trying very long, um, <laughs> but uh, the saying goes, good things take time. Um, so just maybe a quick intro to what I'm doing now and who I am. Um, you said it briefly, we'll be talking about um, my role at Glacier. It's a sustainability startup. I've been working for the past two and a half years and, and I've been part of it since the start. So actually it was uh, one of um, but actually, we will also be talking about, as I said, um, studying abroad, multicultural background. I myself am an Austrian Spaniard who's been uh, living nearly 10 years in the UK, and I've only just come back two years ago to Vienna. Um, so I think uh, I would always call myself not an Austrian or a Spaniard. I would call myself a European, right? I have this European identity. And yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here and to talk about all these things with you. Perfect. Yeah. And I think um, having the, the, the European mindset kind of is also very um, interesting. I mean, you could also say, okay, I'm, I'm Austrian, I'm Spanian, or I'm British. I'm British. So um, yeah, it's really interesting. And um, this is also kind of a good um, intro um, because this shows also how, how you think basically, right? So what's your thinking behind everything and so on? And you also scratched it a little bit, but what drives you basically, but also why, what is it, what you're doing? Maybe you can give us a little bit more, yeah, context to that. So you mean kind of what drives me, what motivates me throughout the day and yeah. So <clears throat> I think it's very difficult to, to trickle it down to one thing, but basically I would say what motivates me is to challenge myself and to develop myself uh, through everything that I do, be it in my professional life here at, at Glacier for now, or be it uh, through experiences that I put myself in, like going abroad to a different country and culture, uh, just being 11 years old back then. Um, so it's really being in, getting out of your comfort zone. So this is really what I find super, super interesting um, because it's always um, this fine line between being in the comfort zone where you're happy and you feel comfortable, but you're not pushing yourself really hard because you have no challenge. Uh, and then the difference to that being 
being completely underwater and not knowing what to do because you're just overwhelmed by the situation. So just finding the fine line where you are a, a little bit uncomfortable, um, but you know that you're able to um, handle the challenge, whatever it is, that's really what motivates me most of the time. So staying yeah. hungry, kind of this feeling of being hungry. Yeah, if you would uh, like to um, reference uh, service now, stay hungry and humble. <laughs> so that would That's be right. <laughs> kind, kind, kind of good marketing here. Yeah. So um, in regards to in regards to personal development, what do you think is having your kind of approach going out of your comfort zone as far as possible in order to still deliver or whatsoever? What do you think? What kind of importance does it have? Um. So you mean what importance or like how do you put yourself into it? Because I mean, those are two different things. Um, putting yourself in, in this challenging um, situation. I mean, for example, this is just something that I do in my private life. This has nothing to do with my professional thing, uh, career. Um, for example, if, if I do invitations, uh, I do parties, whatever, I will always try to make sure that uh, I invite new people. So I tell my friends, um, because a lot of people are very strict about this to say only my friends can come and no one else. And I'm always like, you know what, you can bring five other people. I don't care as long as there's space and there's enough food and drinks for everyone. I don't mind. You can bring your entire family. And actually people start to appreciate this more and more when they when they come to my my parties because they see new people every single time. Uh, and it's just these small little things surrounding yourself with with a diverse group of people uh, getting out of your bubble and I often say to myself, I don't think I live in a bubble, but actually I do. I live in a, in a, in a bubble uh, in, in Vienna here in, in, the, in the sustainability sector from my own background. So just making sure that you get people from different backgrounds, be it from different universities who have studied other things, who come from other countries, who work in different fields, who have different passions, uh, who like different food, whatever it is, uh, as long as you can kind of challenge each other a little bit uh, in the way of life that you, you're having. Uh, I think it makes it more interesting and you learn from one another. So this is how I do it in, in my private life, for example. And in your professional life? In my professional life, I'll always be um, aiming every single time a little bit higher. So for example, obviously uh, we touched it briefly uh, in your introduction. I'm a customer success manager now at, at Glacier, which means that I'm, I'm taking care of a very large portfolio of, of corporate clients mainly. Uh, and at first it was always very daunting for me being, I'm, I'm now 24, I'm still pretty young, um, talking to the CEOs and, and these managers who have many, many years in experience in their fields, uh, some even more experience in their career than I've ever lived on this planet. Um, but it, that shouldn't kind of deter me from talking to them on a, on a level that I, I make sure that I'm not putting myself underneath them. You know what I mean? So it's always knowing your strengths and knowing where you stand. Uh, but as I said, always aiming a little bit higher, talking to new people, uh, going, for example, in my field, also for the bigger, bigger deals, making sure that we sell our clients even more products so they can do sustainability even better and more intense, which means in engaging more people within the company. So it is these things that I do professionally, for example. Yeah. Do you have an example for us um, in regards to the preparation? How did, how did you prepare for a conversation with a CEO? Um, so most of the time what, what I will do is I will look very, very closely at what the company is doing at all, because always the CEO 
the company, it's his, it's his own house. Like he, he knows everything about it, or most of the time he will. Um, so if I just go in there briefly knowing what his company is doing, then that will like make the situation very tricky for me to do anything at all. And it will not come across as very well prepared and professional. Um, but most of the times I don't actually want to target them or like, uh, approach them on maybe a business level, but maybe more on a personal one. Because I think a lot of these people, most of the time in my experience, they um, they have a lot of interactions with people, but they tend to be with their own employees or externals who want something from them, which obviously I do as well. But um, it's about really being authentic as a person with them and not trying to make it clear that you want from them something in particular, so they don't get the impression you're trying to sell them something. Right. Uh, and I think it's always better to be a little bit slower, uh, in the process of talking to them and maybe meeting up another time than trying to close everything in like 20 minutes, uh, because it just makes you feel very needy. Uh, and, and I think these kind of people, cause they talk to so many, they have a really good nose for, for these, uh, yeah, for these needy people who just want to get something out of them. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And I mean. Maybe one thing to add from my side, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end, it's about the, the humans, right? You sell to humans and not to exactly. robots or <laughs> whatsoever. You're completely right. I mean, these people, they go home, they have food, they go to the supermarket, you know, they have, they have friends, they have family. Um, they are just like us. They just have a different position uh, and, and role within, within their career and within the company they work in. But in theory, they're just human as much as we are. So why not treat them as humans and not as a CEO of a multinational company, right? That's, that's interesting. And that makes part of their personality, but it's not the only trait they have. So. Yeah. And that's maybe another topic for a different episode. So coming back <laughs> to, <laughs> to the topic, um, maybe let us have a, a last, um, yeah, perspective on intrinsic motivation, right? So, um, we scratch it a little bit, but what does intrinsic motivation mean to you and what importance would you give it in your life? Um, so I think intrinsic motivation, it's, it's, I would define it by what it's not. It's not this motivation that you get, for example, if you have a reward, uh, for example, a financial reward for something, yeah, that's not intrinsic motivation. Uh, Intrinsic motivation is also not if you want to gain maybe reputation or status from something, right? That's also not intrinsic motivation. So it's more uh, a motivation that comes from within um, that allows you to do certain things that may be for others very exhausting and tiring and, and, and challenging, but for you it comes so easy because you feel invested in it, whether you get something from it or not. It's like what you get from it normally might own intrinsic motivation is, is joy. So this is what, what I call intrinsic motivation. Yeah. But having it attached to any external rewards that I'm, I think I might be getting by doing so. Yeah. And in regards to the importance in your life, what would you say? Ooh, very, um, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, um, obviously because we, we work a lot, uh, with, with employees, uh, and, and for a lot of people, sustainability is a topic uh, that is driven by intrinsic motivation because a lot of the times, 
not exclusively, but a lot of the time sustainability um, has uh, something to do with intrinsic motivation. It's I'm doing something about the planet and improving the lives of others. Um, so it's not very uh, economically rational most of the time to, to do something in this respect. Um, but coming back to, to your question, um, this is also the reason why I'm uh, working at Glacier and, and trying to uh, improve the, the planet we're living on or saving the planet we're living on. It's driven by intrinsic motivation and, and nothing else. Because if my motivation was, uh, I don't know, financial, uh, then I wouldn't be working here. I wouldn't be working at a startup. I can tell you that I would be working maybe at a, at a bank or a big corporates where I could be making twice, thrice as much as money uh, on a monthly basis. So yeah. No, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts on that one. Um, so you have studied abroad and, and lived also abroad. Um, what did you expect from it? And did it turn out as you hoped? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, as I said before, I was very young. So I was 11 years old, just about. Um, the, the, the reason actually, maybe to start off with that, why I even moved to um, the UK was uh, because I was, I was failing school here in Austria and Vienna. Uh, and, and that's, in my opinion, because the Austrian school system um, does a lot of things right, in, but also a lot of things wrong. And I'm a dyslexic, so I have troubles learning and concentrating sometimes. I get numbers mixed up in words. So I take extra time to learn, uh, which is totally fine. But here at this Austrian school, this was not uh, taken into consideration at all. Uh, we were like 30 people in the classroom. The teacher was going super fast from one subject to the other, and I couldn't follow. Uh, and then in the other side, private life, my, my parents were getting divorced, so there was that as well. Um, and then there came this decision, maybe it would be better if I, if I changed school system. Yeah. And uh, my mother had lived a very long time and worked in the UK, and the British school and university system is renowned for being uh, very, very good. And, and I can second that now, that I've been through both. Um, because um, the the system there really plays on your strengths and not on your weakest weaknesses. So in Austria, it's like saying you have a fish and they're trying to teach a fish how to climb a tree. It doesn't make sense. You're not playing on its strengths. It can swim. Yeah. Teach a monkey how to climb a tree, even better, but don't teach a, a fish that. It doesn't make sense. And that's what was happening to me here in, in, in Austria. I was failing English class, maths class, etc. And in the UK, what you can do is you can you can specialize very soon. So in my last three years of uh, school, I only had five subjects uh, because you can drop subjects like maths, uh, English, uh, science subjects like chemistry, physics, biology, because if I'm not already good by the age of 16 and I don't have any like intrinsic motivation to mm. study a subject, why should I be forced to do it anyway? Because I will hate it. I will, I will hate school. I will not like to go there. And this is what happens a lot of the time here in Austria. I have friends who are, you know, actually him, you know, Noah, you've met him, I think before he's absolutely talented when it comes to software and, and, and sciences and so on. And he was being tortured by having to study uh, Spanish at school and he was failing school just because of Spanish. Why? Yeah. Because they, they were not playing on its strengths. Yeah. So this is what studying abroad really taught me um, is that a lot of the time 
it's okay that you have your weaknesses, but just accept them. And rather than that, focus on your strengths more. Yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, I think I can, I feel confident in also saying that the German system is quite similar to the Austrian one. Okay. So, um, I'm wondering <laughs> how it would be uh, going in, in the UK to, to school. So, but maybe that's for another life. I mean, it also sets flaws, of course, that uh, every system has. But for me, um, and I've talked to a lot of people here in Austria, and I heard a lot of the times that they would have pre preferred a system where they could um, drop some of the subjects they're struggling with, which they have no interest in pursuing anyway in the future. Um, because it's not like uh, no one in the UK knows how to calculate, right? Everyone, everyone has yeah. to do maths until they're 16. Um, but then you don't have to start calculating the volume of the black hole anymore if you're not interested. That's for those people who want to, right? Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. <laughs> um, regarding um, a different um, thing. So now we've um, kind of um, yeah, touched base with intrinsic motivation um, and, and so on. So I'm curious, how did you get your job and how does it fit into your longer term plans? <clears throat> Um, so actually this, this is quite a, quite a funny story. Um, I was doing, because aside from sustainability, I'm very interested into, into politics. So I studied international relations with economics at, uh, at university in the UK. Um, so I was doing this internship at the ministry of foreign affairs in Austria and as it sometimes the case, not always, um, there wasn't a lot to do for me as an intern. And it just came to be that my superior was ill. I don't know what she had. I think she was, she had a cough or something and she didn't want to come to work. And, and so she didn't, but there I was, you know, an intern with no job, with no project on that I could work on. So I had the option of either just sitting there on my phone or going home because no one would have checked anyway, uh, where I was. Uh, or because I was like, this is actually a cool opportunity for me to learn. I, I stood up and I, I went to the first open door that I could find in the department. And I just went in there and said, Hey, uh, I'm the intern from next door. If, if I can do anything for you, just, just use me, please. I'm, I'm eager to work. And, and actually she did. And she said that there was, um, a delegation of, uh, Qatari ministers coming, uh, and they needed someone who was. Uh, confident in English to write the minutes. So I, I was just there, you know, writing the notes. Uh, and then this meeting was about a conference that would happen in Qatar uh, in, in two months time. And then um, called the Arab European Young Leaders Forum, bringing together the future leaders of the Arab and European world. Okay, this was a kind of a diplomatic conference. And then actually the, the minister of youth and sports, he asked me how old I was. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm 18. And it's like, all right, perfect. You're coming with us. And they invited me. Uh, and when I was there in the, in the Qatari desert, uh, in December, it was, it was still like 40 degrees. It was super, super hot. Um, there was this workshop, uh, led by what would be now my, my, my current boss, Andreas. Uh, and I just approached him. After Googling up his uh, company, uh, which I found super interesting, I just approached him uh, on the sun lounger where I was drinking his, his Coke, uh, if, if I could come and work for him sometime. And, and so I did. And, and now I'm here, uh, six years later. 
<laughs> That's a, a really interesting story, but it also shows kind of the yeah importance again, just to take the courage once and um, yeah, yeah stand up, right? Of course, yeah. It, it, it wasn't easy because it was a completely different uh, culture. I had only once been outside of Europe uh, because I was always traveling uh, home and then back to the UK or to Spain to visit family. Um, and a completely different setting. There was a lot of uh, ministers and, and, and these millionaires and Arab entrepreneurs. It was super high level. And, and I didn't really quite know what I was doing there, but I, I, I went there because I was like, let's do it. Because if there's this chance, just just take it. Yeah. No. Um, and so, so I did. So this is what I would recommend everyone. Just go for it. Yeah. No, that that's a really good uh, recommendation. But uh, I'm curious, how did you feel between all the all the wow. people you just mentioned? Um, actually, the first day I was quite anxious. But um, if this mm -hmm. this took place over the course of a week, um, mm -hmm. uh, and I think I I just lived with it because I was so shocked with in, on so many levels, like culture shock, uh, and then uh, kind of business-wise as well, like the super successful people and uh, um, graduates from Oxford and Cambridge from the best universities of the world. And I hadn't even started my degree yet. So I don't know, I just went with it. And only afterwards, not, not even a month afterwards, I think like half a year, year afterwards, I started to um, kind of realize what kind of crazy situation I was back then. So it took me a time to reflect on it, uh, really. And, and looking back even now, I think it's it's super ironic that my journey into sustainability now working at Glacier actually started in the in the country Qatar with the highest CO2 emissions per capita on the planet. So there is that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um nothing to add on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you also um, mentioned it in the beginning um, already, kind of, but um, let us have a, a, a focus again on, on that one. So, I mean, you also just mentioned, right? So why did you start at Glacier? But more uh, importantly, why are you still there? So I'm still here for, for two reasons. So the one one, the first one is obviously intrinsic motivation because um, I really have, I think, Uh, my, I have an inner calling. I think everyone has an inner calling, right? And my inner calling is kind of working in the field of sustainability. Uh, and I've only realized this over the past few months, actually. At first, I was like, I'm going to test this out and see how it goes. And it went very well. But I was still not 100% convinced that this is the kind of path that I want to take. And over the past few months, I've been reflecting a lot. And, and now I do. And, and for that reason, I will also stay here because... With sustainability, I think it's not just one transformation we're tackling, right? Uh, it's, it's tackling so many other transformations as well, because uh, on the one side, you have this, obviously you will know you're in recruiting and so on in HR, um, the great resignation. So a lot of people are losing the motivation to go to work. And I think with sustainability, you bring him back this purpose and you bring him back mm. um, kind of this inner inner calling for a lot of people. Uh, and if you're able to combine sustainability with your job, which is what we try to do at Glacier, not trying to advertise it too much, um, then you're actually tackling two, two transformations at once or two challenges, one of sustainability and the one of, of, um, of how the world of work is going to look like in a few years. 
and I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of insights as well on this, the, the kind of um, desires of particularly more younger people when they're looking for jobs now, how they are radically changing from being primarily driven by salary to more purpose-driven jobs. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, relatively, but one <laughs> word but, uh, <laughs> one word to that. Um, <laughs> purpose is really a very important and um, yeah, an impactful word. Um, I think, as you've also mentioned, it's, it's kind of the thing which um, will, will lead us moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, also when it comes, for example, in, in the tech industry with all the layoffs, right? Um, it's right. not necessarily anymore that a person is changing job because there will be a higher salary. Now there, there are more factors than just that being considered, right? And um, one thing definitely is also the purpose, um, purpose conversation, I would say. So yep. uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely with you. Yeah. Um, maybe regarding the, the topic, um, climate, right? So when it comes to your personal, um, point of view on it, why mm -hmm. does it, yeah. Um, is it that much personally of interest for you? Or sustainability? You mean, aside from my, my, my job? If yeah. yes, uh, and I will be very honest here, this, I, there's still a lot of room for improvement. Um, and I've only really started to live sustainably or even try to, uh, for the past two years. So more or less at the same time that I started working here at Glacier. Um, and it has become for me more important for not only for the reason, and this is obviously one of the main reasons is because I want to stop climate change. And I know that even I myself and the way I behave on a daily basis can, can help that. It can contribute to um, climate action. But on the other side, I think that also a sustainable lifestyle is in general a better lifestyle for you because it means less consumption. Yeah, I think we've just, or at least our parents, this is my own family, have become so accustomed to owning things and buying things. Uh, and actually I started, for example, this Christmas I've only gifted, I think, two things, two material things. So my parent, parents actually got for me, uh, instead of like a phone or anything different that I would have bought them a couple of years ago, I, I bought them at dinner with me. So I'm going to have time and, and so on. So I think it's more valuable to spend something, um, to spend money, for example, on, on things that give you real value, not just gadgets and, 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 and cosmetics and whatever the hell in clothes that you want to buy, maybe to impress others or to pretend like you're impressing yourself by owning these things. It's if, yeah. if you yeah, would look into my memories, um, right. Last, right? Much more important right. than, um, material yeah. things. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just thinking about it. And, um, yeah. when I think about it. When I, th when I think about being old, I would I'm rather, <laughs> depends on the perspective, <laughs> but <laughs> when I'm older, let's say it that way, um, then I would say, uh, I would much rather, um, think about the experience I've made and, um, yeah. time is the most valuable kind of thing, obviously besides, um, health and so on. But, um, yeah, instead of, uh, remembering. I did get a new phone on Christmas 2019 or whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, th and there's a great book I could recommend. Actually, my, my Andreas gave it to me, my, my boss, 
couple of, of years ago. It's called the Big Five for Life, and it's really about I don't know if, if you use OKRs uh, in your company, but it's kind of this objective-based planning, right? And you can also do it for your life. It's not doesn't mean that you're like over planning your life, but like you have your five uh, stars, northern stars that you work towards. And these are kind of your values and your goals in life that you want to achieve. And this doesn't mean that I want to drive a Lamborghini with the age of 25. This doesn't come into there. Um, and there's a really nice story about at the end of at the end of your days, um, you will you will come into heaven or whatever the hell it is you're thinking. Um, but actually, it's a museum, and he describes it as a museum that you go in, and the museum is filled with pictures of memories that you made throughout your life. And as you said, I don't think one of the pictures will be the iPhone I got for my 18th birthday. This will not be in there, hopefully. Um, otherwise, it will be very sad. Um, <laughs> and I think you just have to live it by that, uh, by that idea that it's a museum that you're building and it's collecting memories with people and uh, through adventures that you take and not by buying things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good uh, point. Um, maybe coming to, to the last uh, part of, of our conversation, maybe let's have a little bit a deeper look um, into your glacier story journey <laughs> or however you want to name it. Right. Sure, so, um, you started basically as an executive assistant at Glazer, right? So yeah. what were your tasks back then and what were you measured against? I mean, what does an executive assistant of a just created startup do? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think executive assistants across the world have different jobs and roles. I don't think they're always the same. In my case, it was basically... Um, shadowing the CEO, so my boss Andreas, in anything he does and supporting him with whatever he does. So this ranges from doing market research. So I went within and alone to a lot of companies to talk to them, to understand better where the pain points are to sustainability, why they're struggling, struggling with it. Uh, and alone together, I think we talked to nearly 200 companies within one year. Uh, and then on the other side, also working on the vision of our products and on the products itself. Um, then there's also this other task of HR, what people do we want to hire? Um, if there's already people hired, um, I was always kind of a sparing partner for Andreas. Uh, uh, and he would always ask me, do you think that this person should has uh, a role in Glacier? Or do you think that the journey for this person has ended because there's some things not working out for both sides? And, and I was also in that regard very involved in, in hiring and firing decisions. Um, so yeah, I, I was like this, I was the shadow of the CEO, which meant I was doing everything that he has to do. Has to do. Uh, and I did this for a year very, very intensively. And I think this is the one year where I learned so far the most. It was like a crash course into business um, for me. It sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could recommend it for everyone. Uh, and, <laughs> It may sound a bit silly, but for me, I've, I've always had the ambition also sooner or later to start my own company, my own startup. And just being able to go through this entire process um, without having to be liable for anything because I mm. wasn't putting up a mortgage or a bank loan or whatever. I was just there. Okay. I was, if the company would have failed, uh, I would have been obviously very sad, but I, I was already with the thought that if it does, that's fine because I've learned something. But I didn't have this um, pressure or anxiety that maybe founders do have uh, in the early stages of a, of a startup. 
Yeah, I would uh, I would mention the word. Um, at least I think um, having the ability to be grateful, right? Yeah. So grateful or self awareness in a way that okay, I feel grateful for the opportunity I yeah did get, yeah. and um, the self awareness what I learned. So I think. Mm -hmm. Do you think those words are made, uh, good mentioned here? Definitely. So I, th I think it's this gratefulness uh, of the experiences that you have. Uh, and even where we talked about intrinsic motivation, even if I wasn't intrinsically motivated, but only by career choices and, and the amount of money that I may make in a few years time, then I would have also chosen this path because this was just the, the, the learning curve, in my opinion, that I did for myself was just so immense. I don't think I could have done it anywhere else. I couldn't have done it at a university or at a different company. Um, and yeah, so I was, I was extremely grateful for, for that. And I still am. And actually just recently, not even recently, yesterday, I had a meeting um, with my boss and, and we talked about this. Um, and, and I did tell him very honestly that I'm super interested in staying at Glacier. But now, since I've been in my role for one and a half years, I want to be challenged again. I want to try new things. Um, I will stay in the same role, but I want to like expand it or, or do different things that I've not done so far so that I can keep challenging myself. And uh, I think we're both on the, on the same boat here, same line. So we will um, stay curious and we'll follow your path. I think there will be changes. <laughs> yes. Um, do follow us at, uh, in, in general, what we do at Keisha, it's super interesting and hit me up if you, if you need any help <laughs> regarding sustainability, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe one, one more thing regarding, um, your, your journey as, um, yeah, executive assistant or basically, um, the journey you just mentioned, right? So if I'm yeah. not mistaken uh, or correct me if I'm wrong, it was just or kind of around uh, one year, right? So how did this time or this role or the experiences shaped you? You mean from, from the, the executive assistant role or from what I'm doing now or in, in general? Not really what you're doing now, but who you are today. So what oh. kind of impact did it have on you personally? Uh, tremendous, I would say. So if you were to talk to me, I don't know, five years ago, I uh, would have been, uh, in many aspects, uh, uh, very different, um, not in a bad way, I would say. Uh, for example, I was usually very uh, introverted. So when I started to learn that I would have to talk to clients, you know, I was, I was breaking it. I was like, no, I can't do this, but I, I learned to handle it and actually now I enjoy it. So um, I think that it has done a lot with my own confidence. Uh, and also, um, it has been filling me not only, uh, with, with, with skills in that respect, but also, um, with a lot of learnings, um, that I can apply to myself. So I've, I've developed myself professionally, but also personally, because this is something that at least in our company, we strive for a lot is this personal development thing. So it is encouraged, uh, that we even do, um, courses, uh, like personal development courses on things that have to do nothing related with the company. So if, if I wanted to study Russian, that the company would support it. Um, so, so yeah, 
bit of a long intertwined answer, but I hope you got you got something out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we did get the point. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Um, so you also just me uh, mentioned it when, when you talked about um, your experience uh, being an executive assistant at this stage um, of a company, right? So mm -hmm. you've um, had the opportunity to look into HR, into marketing, into sales, etc. Why customer success manager? Why not HR marketing? Uh, it's it's a very good question. So at the time, it, this was what we needed uh, because we were selling our product uh, and we needed someone to take care of our clients and to service them, to make sure that they they understand what we do and they understand the service so they can have an impact with it, which is what we're all about. Uh, and then also making sure that they remain as a client because always we have, uh, we have financial problems sometimes. Um, so that's to avoid. Uh, and why customer success and why I still stay here? Because within the company, I could have chosen many other paths now that mm -hmm. were bigger. Um, because I like working with people, not just within the team, because that means I could have been working in any department, but particularly with external people. I just, I like, um, the change of landscape every time, uh, I have every day. So whether it be meeting, uh, with someone from a corporate meeting with someone who's also starting their own startup, um, be it meeting someone who's working in HR or in marketing. So actually for my job, I'm not saying that I understand all of the other jobs, but I'm more in touch with what other people face in their daily business lives. And that's super interesting for me. So I get an insight, um, into a lot of fields. And this is why for now I want to stay here. It's, it's getting this bigger picture of how companies work and how people actually work within these companies as human beings. So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, um, this uh, kind of also already answered my, my last question I have. Okay. <laughs> um, after two, two and a uh, half yeah, years at uh, Glacier now, what kind of um, resume would you, would you say, would you give? You mean like a rating or? Not, not necessarily a rating because um, that's, that's kind of um, one-sided, right? But mm. um, if, you if you would need to put it in few words, few sentences. Um, I mean, I mean that we, that you enjoy working at Glacier, I think everyone can see and hear, <laughs> but, uh, okay. with, with more context. Um, so, so more context to, to, well, I, I think I also answered it partly in, in my previous, uh, answer there. Um, if I would say so, uh, if you, if you were to ask me, uh, in 20 years, Sebastian, would you have done the same thing? Uh, if you had the same chance again to start a cliche, I would definitely do it again. Um, I think it has been for me, at least I don't see any other path that was open to me at the time that I could have chosen that has enriched my own life as much as Keisha has done. Um, so I would, I would put it this way. Um, and it also, because obviously having worked now a couple of years in, in the startup, you have to be very um, sensitive to, um, opportunities and to taking opportunities, uh, because I always take it away. Um, and this is something that I've always tried to apply to my own life. And, and I think it started off basically by, um, as I said, in the ministry, just seeing an opportunity that I could maybe try something else. And then seeing an opportunity with Andreas in Qatar in the desert, just talking up uh, and saying, yeah, I can work for him. 
and and this has this thought and this mentality has strengthened throughout my career at Glacier, and it's something that's super valuable. And I think that everyone should should embrace um, because a lot of the times I hear from some friends, they are not willing uh, to take these opportunities. Like there's an opportunity right in front of them, but maybe they are afraid or they don't feel like they are capable of doing it. Hell, was I capable of doing any of the things that I've done so far? I don't think so. I don't think so, to be honest. I think you're always capable afterwards, most of the time. It's like like um, retrospective. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. The, my own uh, motto that I live by, and, and I think it, it comes close with, with what I just said, is um, every single chance is like a like a galaxy of hope. So like you have this one chance and if you take it, it could be like the biggest thing you've ever done in your life. But at the moment, right, when you're taking it, you don't even know, it just plays out in the end. And maybe when we talk again, it will have turned out even bigger or different than I, I was expecting it to be when I took a certain decision six years ago uh, in an office here in Vienna in the ministry. So there's that as well. So every chance is a galaxy of hope. Is it copyright or? <laughs> No, actually, it's not. Uh, uh, it's not my quote. I think I, I heard it. It came to me because I, I said I saw it somewhere in a series. Um, may it not even have been Star Wars. I'm not sure. I've tried looking it up, um, but I think it's a it's a very nice quote. Um, you should have just said yes. It's for me. <laughs> yes, it's for me. Okay, I, I take full credit. <laughs> Copyrighted. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, but then um, that's that was a very good point, and um, I think I can learn something from you because uh, the question you asked yourself is was better than mine. So, <laughs> oh, <pretty> okay. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, um, maybe for the end, uh, I would like to hand it over to you um, for the for the last words. Yeah. Um, well, maybe what 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 I would find also interesting uh, is to maybe reverse it for the last part and ask you what you why you're even talking to so many people or what is your purpose behind what you are doing because. You know, I do in my personal, personal, professional life. I ask a lot of the times the intentions of other people. And in this case, I want to ask you. So, Christian, why are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> That's a very good question. And uh, until now, my heart rate was quite low. <laughs> so okay. now, it's <laughs> um, why do I do what I do? Um, so basically, I would also um, yeah answer it basically with intrinsic motivation. Um, otherwise, I think I wouldn't sp spend that much um, hours um, doing um, the podcast and everything which uh, goes along with it. Um, yeah, for basically nothing, right? So it's kind of, um, yeah, so similar to, to your motivation. Um, but uh, to answer your question um, in more detail, it's really interesting it's kind of similar to what you've answered uh, in regards to why uh, you are in sales, right? Yeah. <laughs> Talking with a lot of different people. I mean, I do it um, also in my um, re uh, recruiter job, but um, it's on a different on a different level. It's much more intrinsic, motivated. Mm -hmm. The conversations I have now with, for example, you um, or, or other people, than when I have um, conversations with candidates, right, or people who are interested in service now or whatsoever. Yeah. And um, this is uh, very interesting to 
dig deeper into their stories, right? Into their character, what were the the uh, what 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 was the thought process, or um, what um, kind of impact did this experience have on them in this situation, and so on. For example, um, this is also the reason why I asked you if you would have time and if you would be interested in having this yeah. conversation, right? Because I um, think, or yeah, um, even before I prepared for our conversation, um, all the topics we've talked about today, those are very interesting. And I think those are also um, topics or points which are also interesting for, for other people who may be thinking, okay, what's a purpose or what can be a purpose um, in, in my life, right? Is it salary or is it intrinsic motivation or is it sustainability? How is it um, yeah, studying or living abroad, right? What's the pro, what's the con? I mean, you can also go much more deeper into that one, but uh, we scratched a lot of topics and, and that's very interesting. I don't know if it answers your question, but. <laughs> it answers my question. And I think in, in that regard, um, we're both quite similar. Um, And I would also say, because I touched upon it in one of the first uh, questions, um, I think that HR and sustainability, so this, this, because both topics are intertwined, I think these are two topics that will be shaping at least the world of, world of business in my perspective. I'm just saying that now um, for the coming decade, at least. Um, so I think you yourself have a super interesting path ahead of you, just as, as I hope I will as well in my own field. <laughs> yes. And, uh, those are, this is perfectly the bridge over to my last sentence. Um, we will follow you. We will, um, watch you closely. So what's coming um, up next and, um, thank you for your time. It was really a pleasure. Um, I'm glad that we could make it <laughs> after two months, but it's again, I have a background now, so all good. And, um, yeah. Um, stay health and um, hope to see you soon. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. Perfect. Take care. Bye-bye.